0: Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast
1: about everything Toronto real estate. Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate. I'm your host, Ben Myers. I'm here with my co-host, Steve Cameron of Cameron Stevens Mortgage Capital, the sponsor of our show. Steve, how's it going? It's going great good to be back the summer months are upon us real scorcher out there well well you could say the temperatures are heating up just as much as the real estate market so Ooh. we have a great guest to, we have a great guest to talk about that heating up of the market why don't you read off the bio I will uh,
2: it's uh, it's an exciting day for us to have this guy on the podcast it's someone that I've known for believe it or not almost 10 years uh, and I whom I met, really before he was a real developer. You wouldn't <laughs> like me saying that, but I'm saying it. Um, he was born in damam Saudi Arabia, while his father was working abroad as a doctor. From there, they moved to Jeddah and ultimately to Montreal, a few cities in the U.S., and ultimately he landed in Burlington after completing two separate degrees at both Sheridan and Brock. From there on in, there was no looking back. Tariq Adi founded Adi Developments with his brother, who... I'd be killed if I didn't mention a few times on the show Saudadi in 2007. Today, they are a major player in the Berlin development space and making moves into other markets across the GTA. The firm focuses on high rise, low rise, and mixed use developments with an impressive 1,215 units sold since 2012 and 520 million of gross sales. The existing portfolio includes nine projects and 3,632 residential units with a gross value of $1.96 billion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to welcome Mr. Tariq Adi to the Tuck Podcast. Welcome, my friend. Welcome. Hey, guys. How are you? Thank you. Uh, thank
0: you for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you guys.
2: Thank you Perfect. for joining us. How was the uh how was the intro? Any uh any mistakes? What do you give it on a rating out of 10? Did I get at least like an eight and a half on that? I think you yeah, I'd give you an eight, eight and a quarter, maybe. Ooh. Tough, tough, tough crowd. Okay.
1: <laughs> we're in for a tough one, Ben. Yeah. Well, well, Tarek, we want to talk about your career, a little bit how you uh you started uh in the industry. I understand you were. Starting out renovating homes. so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know we started uh, soda and I started at a pretty young age. I think we were uh, twenty four and twenty five at the time. Um, and obviously had big uh, goals and ambitions of of uh, of doing development. and uh, you know naturally we're uh, we're first generation doing this, so uh, you know we weren't handed a portfolio or you know offered the opportunity to uh, to work for family. Uh, prior to starting. So uh, we had to start and we had to start small. And so, you know, we were in the Burlington area at the time. And, uh, you know, the the thing was, is you, you're looking to get into, you know, multifamily types of properties that are still attainable to uh, to an individual. And Hamilton kind of provided uh, that opportunity. And I think at the time, cap rates were like 10% or 12%. You might still be hovering around that that range, not on the new stuff, but, uh, I remember one bedrooms were renting for five hundred bucks a month and uh, a two bed was about seven hundred bucks a month um and so so yeah naturally i mean we we uh we acquired a few uh few properties that we converted over to uh to income properties and disposed of and uh you know built a small uh war chest to start uh doing some development uh and then it started with a uh with a townhouse site uh, in in Burlington that we, uh, that we acquired. And I actually uh, remember seeing the good folks at uh, Cameron Stevens uh, when we first arrived, I actually just told this story recently to somebody um, where, uh, you know, we met with, uh, with Steve camp uh, and and here we are. First development really have no clue what we're doing. Um, Don't tell uh, me that.
2: Don't tell me that. (laughs) <laughs> Steve was uh no 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 like you like said you told me you knew everything that was going on back then Yeah well hang on so maybe not then but
0: uh so <laughs> he sits there and uh you know listens quietly and uh you know once uh once i was done he kind of you know folded his book and goes look you seem like good guys <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you go get this one done, and i 'll do number two for you guys? No problem, and so this is camp, right yeah, Steve Camp, yeah, so, no um, so we took off, and obviously uh, we're a little bummed out, but uh, nonetheless we were able to, uh, to to secure the site, secure a partnership, and ultimately get it done and I called Steve again and. Um, just when we were under construction so it likely would have been three years later or two and a half years after that once we got zoned and we were built and uh i drove to the site i asked him to have coffee in the area and i uh, drove him to the site and uh we pulled up in front of him he goes what's this i go that's the site that you told me to go get done and you'll do number two and he goes okay do you have number two i was like i sure do let's go for a drive and have a look at it." so uh the next project was the modern and sure enough cameron stevens uh you know, we we managed to get some experience and learn what we were uh, we were doing, and uh, we got the modern done after that one as well. So that's uh, that was an interesting story I wanted to share. It sticks with me. Um, so I'll yeah.
2: never I'll never forget. Sometimes I look back at pictures of uh, there was a topping off party at the modern, and I was there, and you mean so I think we uh, we were just doing like a little presentation to everyone else there, all the workers and some of the buyers and investors, and we looked like we were. 18 years old in the picture. Yeah, I know. Wearing like really baggy suits with like terrible... Yeah, I remember that. And you had like a Gucci belt on and a Gucci <laughs> shoes, Prada sunglasses.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, man. It was, uh, it was cool though. Definitely. Uh, you know, I, I think I still have those pictures too. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great, great time, great memories for sure. And then, you know, from there, we just went off on a, on a bit of a buying spring. Started acquiring more, more sites. Um, and then obviously naturally the projects got larger and, uh, and, and here we are today with the, with the portfolio that you, uh, you just mentioned earlier. So
1: well, while we're great. on the modern, while we're on the modern, you told me a great story. Uh, and we won't mention who the person was, but you're, were, you're were telling me a story about the trades and how you had negotiated a contract and and the trade didn't want to build it because the bricks were too small. And I thought, <laughs> I thought that was a hilarious story, but you know what what about you know when when you started doing mid-rise projects like how more, how much more difficult was it to deal with the trades and, and and maybe if there's you know any type of stories you have about, about dealing with trades and and, and becoming a, a a mid-rise developer
0: sure um i mean look it's uh it was it was a smaller project so there's there's uh there's a challenge where it doesn't get too many people excited or, or doesn't really get them out of bed right and so you know, the other part of it was we were, um, we were effectively building a, a concrete kind of build where the the local market was more accustomed to some stick frame kind of stuff, and so we had a different kind of you know trade altogether that was more, you know used to the larger commercial projects versus the, the smaller kind of townhouse residential projects. So you know I remember at the time it was it was challenging to to find trades that were even willing to come out to that area um and and then you know two um, you know we had extreme challenges with you know trying to deal with a market that was really i think hovering at 360 a foot 365 a square foot and we needed to sell at four four ten a foot to make the thing work um and i remember you know we we're selling 400 square foot units for like 160,000 bucks um so yeah i mean there was challenges and then uh, i think we had uh like at the time, I remember masons were in huge shortage. I think we couldn't even find a mason to bid the job. Um, there was, I think, we had three of them start, and then before they started, just never showed up, uh, and so we had to uh, we had to deal with that. But look, I mean, mid-rise forms are, um, you know, they're they're messy. They're tough to do. They're they're uh, you know they're they're longer. They're shorter. They're they're more linear. They're spread out over more square footages. So, you know, you've got more complications, more, uh, you know, more connections, more returns, more upturns, more beams, uh, more softening, more waterproofing, um, you know, more material that gets, you know, laid across a, a more linear area. And it's like, you know, you talk to any builder podiums are the absolute worst part of the, of the high rise tower. And it's basically that you're building a bunch of podiums, right. Yeah. Uh, which are you're very complicated and messy. So yeah, it was a bit of a challenge at the time for sure.
2: You guys learned a lot. It was a good place for you guys to cut your teeth and actually really understand, you know, what went into building a building. I remember when you made the decision to, to go concrete over stick, uh, a lot of people thought you were crazy. They thought it was going to be drastically more expensive, but you guys were adamant that that was the way to go. It was a better product long-term. It was better for soundproofing, obviously better quality, more durability on and on it goes. And obviously they made the numbers work. Um, but you know, it wasn't without a lot of critics I guess I could you'd say along the way telling you that uh who are these young guys thinking they're going to build a four-story concrete building yeah I mean look with I, I just find you know I hate to
0: sound negative but you know with our in our industry the 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 experience and the old players are kind of so entrenched that when you're a new player there's always like yeah you know we'll see if they're around in a couple of years right and so uh that's kind of always been uh you know the the fuel that drives us is to prove uh prove the critics wrong and I will say, you know, we were, you know, I think I was 31 at the time uh, and, and uh, you know, maybe it, so it was 30, maybe even 29. Um, and, and I could say that, you know, our first concrete build was actually profitable, right? Like we, we delivered a profitable project and I could tell you not a lot of uh, developers can say that on their first, you know, one to three builds, let alone their first one. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, look, it was tough. Uh, we had to be extremely frugal. We had to be, you know, extremely uh cost conscious building the thing, but uh it, it teaches you a lot, it makes you a better builder for sure.
1: How did you we had a previous guest, we had Barbara Lawler on there? How did you get Baker to go out to, to Burlington?
0: Funny story there too. So uh <laughs> so so here's the thing, right? Like like I said, it goes Did Barbara
2: the- sell for you at, at Modern? Or is she just yeah, un- absolutely Riz- she did.
0: Yeah. So going back to it, I mean it was like it was hard to get people out of bed to even look at Burlington as a as a as a real thing or a market that was going to be successful. So, you know, I, I could say we single-handedly created a condo market there. Um, everything from educating you know the public around the APS and and you know what a typical condo APS looks like, closing adjustments which they were not accustomed to. Um, you know, there really hadn't been much. And so I remember we were looking for someone to sell this thing. Uh, and I was like, let's call, let's call Baker and see, you know, what what they have to say. And sure enough, we uh, we met Barbara. I think their office was up on Bloor and Church at the time, uh, and and uh, met Barbara in, in her boardroom. And uh, you know, it was one of those things where she's selling big towers. They were, you know, probably doing a billion a year in real estate sales. Um, and so we're, you know, here we are, two young guys. And I remember she looked at me and she's like, "Look, this is really small. I mean, I don't really know." You know, if this is something you can do and and then she just goes, but you know what? Good feeling about you So let's do it. I, I you gotta do the big things. Let's do it. And uh and and she did. And so uh, wow. yeah, uh it was great. And I think we uh when we launched 78 units, I think we sold 76 um in the first two days. So yeah, it was a it was definitely a huge success. Um and then obviously we moved on to doing Link and doing matik and, and other things. And, and Barbara was there for us as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, definitely a, a moment
2: in history for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So before we get into, uh, the next few projects, you, you and, uh, you and your brother had an interesting upbringing. Your father was a doctor. He, uh, a lot of people have asked you guys along the way, how you got started as a huge capital intensive business. And you know, you get to do a couple of small projects to get, to get your feet growing, you know, how, how did you guys get started and what sort of, were some of the life lessons you learned and what did you bring with you as being immigrants to Canada? And um, you know, what, what lessons did you learn? I, I guess I would say, um, from your parents and and your surroundings that have made you guys successful and and giving you giving you the ambition and, and the nerve. You know it takes takes a lot of guts to get started in this business. You know even doing the link and being criticized by all these people who had been doing. You know this, you know third generation family is telling you that you're not going to be around in five or ten years. You know to have the uh, to have the thick skin to, to make it through that. It's not easy. Right.
0: Uh, I don't know if any of you read the book Grit by Angela Duckworth, but if you have not, I highly suggest it. Um, you know, if you really want to kind of trace what um, kind of forms out and I, it's, it's literally exactly what's in that book. It was a combination of, you know, my dad being a really – high integrity a high standard guy that you know i remember coming home from school and being like yeah hey dad i got a 99 he's like well, what happened to the that other one percent right and uh you know it was question
2: i mean what did happen where to it he, where, where he was
0: super, super tough um and again you know the grit talks about you know how do you raise gritty kids uh and it's really giving them a balance of 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 discipline and and support right and so where my dad brought that you know, hard discipline. My mom was the softer supporting role. And so it kind of meshed into this spot and obviously four boys in the family were extremely competitive. And so, you know, we'd fist fight, then an hour later play basketball and be perfectly fine. So, uh, you know, all that stuff desensitizes you, I guess. Um, and obviously just, uh, you know, the, the, the high standard that our dad kind of imposed on us at a young age. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I, uh, I remember in being in grade two or three, and, and the minister of education at the time, I was in school in Saudi, I like a story or, or, or like a something, rather, I felt like a notebook with this creative story, and, um, and this minister, like, I got, my parents got a call from the school saying, hey, the minister of education wants to come down and meet your son, and, you know, my parents are like, why, what did he do, and he's like, nothing, he just wrote this story that everybody's just blown away by, that, you know, they, they want to meet him. And so, uh, so they came down and sure enough, uh, you know, my parents, you know, met them at the school and the minister said to, to my, my parents, he's like, yeah, not to do my own order here, but uh, he goes, this kid's going to be a genius. Uh, right. And so, so stuff like that sticks with you. Right. And again, I didn't really know about that until I got much older and my dad told me the story. Um, but you know, it was all that, it was a combination of that positive reinforcement, you know, positive support, but then the discipline to, to really be something. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of fueled our juices to be something bigger than, than just us. And, and so and I, you know, at the time we're looking at what was happening across the industry and we really weren't inspired, um, at all. Right. It was kind of bread and butter, just kind of boring product that was super affordable. Um, and so we wanted to, to make a statement and really, really, you know, kind of create a legacy when it came to design and, and how people lived. And so, yeah, I mean, look, it was, uh, today. I mean, we're, we're a $2 billion enterprise, I would say. And, you know, we've grown to over 200 people and, uh, you know, there's always still people out there that, that are, uh, you know, kind of betting against you, but, you know, we don't, we don't focus on that. We focus on, on our customers. We focus on our partners. We focus on our lenders. Um, you know, that's, that's what, what drives us. And, um, uh, you know, to your point, what, uh, how did we get uh, you know, into such a capital intensive business? You're absolutely right. This is not two kids in a dorm room uh, that can write some code and get into this business. It's uh, the, cost, uh, you know, the cost of admission, the ticket to get into the show is it's really expensive, right? And so it's a high barrier to entry business. So yeah, I mean, look, we, uh, we started reasonably small. I mean, our first project was you know, a $10 million project, which some people might think that's, that's large, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not. Um, and then we just said, look, it's going to happen step by step. We weren't going to, we weren't going to go from building, you know, a 23 unit townhouse project to the tallest building in Canada or something like that. Right. So it was a step-by-step and, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys enter this business with, you know, pink shades on thinking everything's going to be fine. Um, and then you get punched in the face a couple of times and it really, uh, you know, really humbles you. And, uh, you know builds character but at the same time builds experience and you learn from that right and so that's kind of everything that happened to us along the journey and uh you know i remember telling Saud at one point uh you know let's just right now we're standing at a staircase and all we could see is the first step the rest of it is completely dark we have no idea uh what's coming up next and um you know let's 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 roll the dice let's take that second step and let's see if it lands up or down <laughs> right uh and uh you know sure enough it landed up and and uh and here we are so
1: yeah yeah, you took some some big swings obviously link was a a pretty big project and uh and um you know i have to congratulate you, you gave me a tour of it when it was just occupying and you know I was honestly blown away I've been in a lot of projects or just 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 starting off you see there's friggin stuff everywhere there's tape all over the walls there's plastic on the floors I mean your site was like immaculate you would have thought that you know it'd been it'd been completed for 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 a couple years and uh, I know that you you talked about how some people were surprised at how you know kind of immaculate your your projects are when you're moving people in is that is that something conscious that you're 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 trying to make a great first impression? Maybe talk a little bit about you know, um, you know that side of the business, the completion side of the business. Your yeah,
0: I mean, look, it's um, and, and 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 that's a great segue, Ben, into you know, kind of why we, um moved to to start self performing our construction. I mean, you know, we went through using a few um, construction managers out there, while you know they're great and you know they do their job and you know, some people are are more than happy to de-risk that part of it and hand it off to a third party. And, you know, for us, we've, it was never enough. There was always a bit of a disconnect between, you know, their ideal and what our ideal was. And, um, you know, we ended up having a lot of, uh, you know, discussions and pushback and really trying to push the CMs to meet a standard that we really wanted to achieve. And, you know, at Addy, one of our, uh, One of our values is is to be customer obsessed. That's our number one. And and what we mean by that is every single person at the company, whether they're they're upstream or downstream, what I mean by that is, you know, office or on the field, they have to at all times keep the customer in mind. And I think what so happens, what what happens often in our business um, is developers get so mired in their own issues and they're so inwardly focused on problems. Uh, And they lose sight of what they're actually doing this for, which is building homes for, for, um, for our customers. And so, so, you know, my job as the CEO of the company is to really continue to drive that vision, right. That remember you're, you're delivering a home to somebody, right. And, and you have to be just as proud handing that over. And if, if you, if you uphold uh, uh, the standard that, you know, we're saying you should uphold, then you should have no problems handing that home over to a customer rather than you know, I, I, we interview folks that have worked for other people, uh, and, and they're always telling us stories of how embarrassed they were at, at PDI day or whatever the case may be. I can tell you, uh, you know, just improving from one project to the next, our latest project, um, we literally have zero defects at PDI, right? Like, literally, we've gotten to that point uh, where we put the processes in place, built the operational excellence programs, put the training in place you know, set the vision, set the principles of the company so that everybody's aligned. Uh, and and I could safely say that, you know, I, I don't have to be the one that's constantly pushing that. It's become sort of ingrained in our culture that, you know, what do you mean handing over a home with a defect, right? Like that's absolutely not. And so, you know, the other part of that is that we like to be hotel ready. And, and uh, you know, what so often happens in condos is the suite's ready, but then the rest of the site's a construction site. The hallway's concrete. There's no anything, uh, you know, there's no wallpaper, there's no door surrounds, there's no lighting. Uh, there's only like one elevator working, if that, and it's, it's like a box. It's got the, you know, uh, uh, the wood paneling that's, that's not a finished elevator. Um, and so we don't, we don't want to do that. We, we truly want people to arrive to a site that's complete, hallways are complete, all access is clear, your parking garage is painted, it's spotless, the landscaping is in, all the lighting is in. Um, so that's something that, you know, takes time to do and work on and, and, you know, could delay your occupancies, but, you know, we're not taking the short, short view on this. Right. And so, um, you know, our goal is hundred percent customer satisfaction and zero defects. And so I could safely say
2: we're, we're working towards that. Beautiful. Awesome. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the things you, you're saying there are, they are bold statements, but you came on and you said, you know, one of the things Addy, Addie development group wanted to do was make a statement. And, um, One of your projects uh, has really made a statement in the uh, Burlington waterfront, which is the nautique. Um, You've been at this for probably five years and I think finally under construction now. But I remember when you first bought the site and you proposed a glass tower on the waterfront, downtown Burlington, you had a lot of critics, uh, particularly (laughs) the local counselor, the mayor, and obviously the the taxpayers. Um, How did, how did you, uh, how did you get through that process? You know, I, I, I noticed that you have been a lot less active on Twitter since, uh, since those <laughs> days. I think they, I think you might've got banned for a year and now you're, you're allowed back on only on best behavior basis. They changed my password on me. Now I'm kidding. <laughs> They've changed Ben's password on him at least 50 times, but he's still, he's resilient too. That guy's not, got I work
1: for myself. Dog. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: you know, I mean, look, that was a, that was a slug, man. I mean, yeah, you said it. Five years were finally started. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back, I was what, uh thirty five at the time, no single, no kids. Now uh, you know, two kids uh married back in the burbs. Um so yeah, <laughs> I mean look I- burbs. I- uh, yeah, it's uh and a little bit older and, and wiser, I would say. Um look, I mean it, it wasn't an ideal situation, right? I mean it's I always saw downtown Burlington as probably one of the greatest neighborhoods in all of the GTA. And and I remember being in my early to mid twenties, you know, saying to myself, I'm going to change this place. I'm going to change this place. I can't wait. I'm going to ambush these guys. They're not, they're not even going to know what's going to hit them. Um, and I remember having, I had a, a Google maps picture of that site in my bedroom drawer, like by my bed, uh, before I bought it, like four years before I bought it. Um, and I, and I was like, I'm going to build somewhere in
2: this pocket. And I had like the street view map, um, just- sorry, sorry, to, just to interrupt you there. But that is a, that is a very, that, that's a meaningful story. And it's not the first time I've heard from a developer who's sort of started with nothing and started out just with an idea and a neighborhood and a site. There's some, there's a guy we work with in Toronto on the East end who just, there was a site up the street from him was an accountant. He's like, I need to change this. The beaches could be better. Like there's, this could be more, I have a client in, Kitchener, who had a exciting in Guelph, he had the vision, he drew it on the back of a napkin with his wife at dinner one night. He said, I'm going to do this. Anyway, it's it's a very, um, it's a telltale sight of, uh, of visionaries and seeing something and then making it happen. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. No, absolutely. It,
0: That's, uh, those are great stories. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it's um, it's just about not being happy with the status quo and just knowing that there is something better in the future that, that we can make happen. And and I just find that developers are, are, you know, action oriented guys, you know, it's not just buying this sky stuff. Um, you know, they make it happen. Right. And so that's, that's the key. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, we, um, we bought the site, um, you know, we, we made our proposal. Um, you know, I, 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 I'd like to say we were kind of misled at the same time as well because we brought in our schemes early on and showed them a very tall tower. Um and, and, you know, we weren't, we weren't turned away or we weren't given feedback. Like we were crazy. We were told to make the application. Uh, and so we made the application, uh, you know, timing and hindsight could have been better. We, we submitted it during an election, um, which then just became the topic of the election. And obviously they all took a stand to it because that's what, you know, the neighbors wanted to hear and what the constituency wanted to hear. Yeah. So, uh, so, so one of the things that drew me to downtown Burlington was that, it was an older demographic and and it had you know looking at the data uh it had the the highest co- highest real estate price in all of the city uh and then when you look at the demographic as far as income it was the lowest income per capita which said something to me it said it's 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 retirees and renters and when you actually looked at the supply of the product down there Um, you know, you saw a lot of old rental buildings, a lot of, you know, repurposed, um, you know, walk-ups, right, four or five-story walk-ups, which were, you know, predominantly rental. And then you had these, uh, you know, kind of older condo buildings that had very large suites that catered to to the empty nesters and the retirees that, you know, spent maybe a few months in Burlington and the rest of the time in Florida. Um, And so that also led to Um, kind of the demise of the retail scene there as well because there's really no feet on the street so you know looking at it through my lens at the time you know all these things were kind of filtering through and and then I did an MLS search and this was kind of the 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 straw that you know kind of broke the camel's back I did an MLS search and I was looking for for anything and I think I found one condo at the time selling for six hundred and fifty thousand bucks and so, you know, looking at it, I said, well, it's a no brainer then. anything from 300 to 500 will sell, uh, irrespective of cost per square foot. And so we just, that's exactly what we did. We designed a product that uh, was extremely high end, uh, you know, catered to the neighborhood as far as the, the taste and the flavor of the neighborhood. Um, and uh, it sold very well. And I think we broke 1100 a square foot two or three years before. Downtown Toronto ever did, and and I remember people calling me on the second uh, second launch where we, we held back a few suites and we launched them at 1,100 a foot. People said, "No, this this isn't real." I, I said, "Absolutely, it's real." We, we put out 50 units um, and we sold 40 of them at 1,100 a foot. And so, wow. in the building there now was trending between call it you know 12 and 1,500 a foot uh, for the upper floors. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it was uh, you know we're sitting there now. I think almost 90 percent sold and uh we're just breaking ground but yeah so so twitter Tariq was uh was around before twitter trump <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to say uh but we've since uh we've since retired that and uh you know part of what we do as a company as well is contribute to the communities we build in and and uh, you know unfortunately that relationship at that time um had you know kind of started off on the wrong foot and so You know, more recently stuff that we've done in North Burlington, uh, you know, we got approved in 12 months, uh, you know, start to finish. So with a zoning and an OPA. And so, you know, that's the type and and no, no opposition, no people in the chamber, uh, you know, no pickets, you know, no picket forks and and, uh, picket signs and and pitchforks. So, you know, for us, it's that's that's success. And then when the community, you know, when we start to go out there and, and do a community session, they start to ask if they can buy a unit. That's success and that, you know, we want to do as developers and not continue to uh, to fight to fight counselors as we put up buildings.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you yeah, know, downtown Burlington is a hidden gem. The first time I drove down there, I'm like, well, where is this? Where has this been? How did I not know this was was here? And uh, yeah. and, you know, it's you know, it's great to see that there's been a bunch of projects come after you. Uh, but now obviously they put a development freeze or, or they did have a development freeze. So it's, yeah, it, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see that, uh, that, you know, people don't want to, you know, encourage new people to come into their community. And especially when a lot of those, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of those retailers just, it's, it's, it's not being supported properly. Right. You just need, you need yeah. even more people down there. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you
0: you said it, right. There was a, it's, it was a bit of a catalyst, right? So there was people sitting that owned a ton of real estate downtown Burlington that just kind of sat on it. Um, And then as soon as we got approved and and proved that there was a market and really were that first adopter, I'm going to say, and and built the business case. Yeah. I think since then there's been multiple projects uh, that have been proposed that are North of, uh, you know, 20 stories, 22 stories uh, and, and climbing. And so look, you know, ICB or not interim control bylaw or not, it's, it's, they can't stop it. Right. The, there's going to be demand. Um, I mean, they were successful in actually removing downtown Burlington as a growth center. Uh, so there will be development. I don't think it'll be as tall, which is, uh, you know, good for the folks at Nautique cause it will be like, the tallest building there
2: for, uh, for quite some time. How but many stories I, are you at Nautique? 26. And how many stories are they across the street just to the south there with the hotel? Uh, so they're
0: at 22, I believe. And then the hotel is I think eight or 10 stories. Okay.
2: Yeah. And then, and then, um, isn't there another one under development, just a little bit further east? Is there another one, um, by city uh, hall? So that
0: whole, that whole, um, Lakeshore old Lakeshore precinct is is already starting. So people are already making applications. Uh, the neighbor directly adjacent to us is already put in for an application for a similar size tower as nati um, and again they're they 're caught in the freeze. Uh, you know Brookfield recently made a huge acquisition by the Burlington go um, we 're proposing something very soon this is very large at the Aldershot go um, so yeah i mean look there's a there 's a lot of activity happening because look at the end of the day, you know one of the draws for us as a developer for investors investing alongside us is that we know the suburban market where where a lot of the you know more entrenched established families were downtown Toronto and now with costs being prohibitive on the development side they're they're being kind of forced out to either you know North York Vaughan uh, Etobicoke Mississauga we've already been been in the birds right so we've we've been out there uh, we know the, the 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 fundamentals of developing the financial you know metrics and fundamentals of developing the suburbs, and and let's be honest, I think you know how many buyers are out there paying fifteen hundred bucks square foot for a condo, um, when you can still pick up a single for that price, you know for the price of a five hundred square footer in in Burlington, uh, yeah. still still be able to get value in Burlington at you know high seven hundreds low eight hundreds a square foot, so it's almost like half the price. Uh, and if you're a condo investor, um, you know, our, our buildings currently, they, they rent for the most money, uh, in Burlington, just, you know, function of them being the newest with, you know, the better amenities and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing rents anywhere from you know, call it three bucks to three fifty, three sixty-five wow. a square foot.
2: That's crazy. That's yeah. high. And it's, and it's
0: low vacancy. You know, I remember when we occupied link. I think the first month in occupancy, all the investors put up their units. I think there was 30 going into Christmas. By July 2nd, it was all absorbed, right? Wow. And so, I mean, it's 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 low vacancy. Uh, the the stock is outdated. It doesn't have, you know provide the same amenities, and so you know that's where people are turning to uh, to, to our product.
2: So let me ask you. This is a good uh, a good point in time to maybe do a little segue, but uh, you know, you're preaching about the burbs and what a great market it is and how well you're doing, how successful you've been and how you've mastered it. But at the same time, you're also moving into Toronto and the core Toronto with uh, two major acquisitions, one up in Yorkville and one downtown on King West. Um, You know, what was the vision there? Why did you decide that that was a a market you wanted to enter if you were doing so well in, in the Burlington market? Right.
0: Well, it got to the point where I think we had like 3,100 units in Burlington, <laughs> and uh, you know I think we had like four sales centers open, kind of across uh, across the city. And uh, you know I look at the sales reports, and it's literally the same people hitting all the sales centers because we get the, the reports and stuff. Um, and and we were starting to compete with ourselves, right? And so um, you know from a diversification perspective. Um, looking at Toronto, I mean, we also didn't want to be known as just the Burlington guys. You know, they used to always be like, oh, you know, Tarek, and so, would, oh, the Burlington. Guys. Well, you know, we're not just the Burlington guys, right? Not anymore. So, um, you know, we've got a bigger vision than just being a local, you know, builder. So, um, so, so yeah, I mean, we moved into Toronto. We picked up a phenomenal site uh, in the King West area, which is now approved. Uh, we're launching that this year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we picked up our other acquisition in, in Northville. So, yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're also now targeting the multifamily space and not just looking at condos. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're kind of, we're, we're still a younger company and, uh, you know, we're, we're, like I said, we're looking to build a portfolio here. And so the multifamily, uh, you know, segments looking really attractive to us and, you know, frankly, a lot of our investors are coming back to us and, and demanding, Hey, why don't you want to build some multifamily and, and, uh, I always say this: residential development is the hardest asset class to build, right? It's got you know hundreds of units that are all finished with you know very detailed level of finish with warranties and customers and end users and you know all you have to deal with on the back end, and um, and it's a tough build, right? Versus you know building an industrial logistic shell, right? Like exactly.
2: a- or or a big box uh, commercial retail. I was out in London with one of my clients, and he's yeah. been four apartment buildings. We were touring them and he's pointing out all the nuances of this apartment building. Then we went to one of his big box retails that we financed for him. I had a, you know, like a bed, bath and beyond Ashley's furniture, Cal tire. He's like, look at that thing that nothing is easier. You just deliver <laughs> a concrete and steel shell you right. walk away. And if there's, if there's a, a two foot gouge in the concrete, no one even notices or if there's a two centimeter gouge in the hardwood, it's like you said, you know, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, you deliver your landlord's work, which is just the shell, and uh, you know, some in some cases, not even the base HVAC, right? I mean, you're just deducting and then the equipment sometimes they have to buy. But, you know, that's what I mean. It's it's a much easier um operational thing to do. And and, you know, it's it's something that there's a lot of players or commercial GCs that can easily handle and de risk, uh, where I think the you know, there's a lot of you know, TMs that enter the residential market and, you know, either are not around or they're doing not, they're not doing very much. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, the residential space is tough. Uh, and so naturally progressing to the multifamily stuff, um, just made sense for us. And, uh, you know, rather than, you know, sell condos to investors, now we can you know kind of rent direct, um, uh, and, and deal with, with managing an asset again, up to our standard, because what happens is you build these great buildings, Uh, And then you hand it over to uh, a, you know, a property manager and, you know, my, uh, my saying is this, you're building a Mercedes and then you're handing it off to Hyundai to service it, Uh, right. And then, you know, they, they cut it up and reduce the budgets and delete things and it starts to, you know, deteriorate and they're not keeping it up because they don't want to spend the money. So, you know, we find that there's a bigger opportunity thinking life cycle, thinking 20, 25 years ahead. Uh, and really being tenant focused. And, and you know, what we're finding in the multifamily space is from a management perspective, it's still very much a mom and pop business uh, where they're relying on a super to run the building, he collects the rents, he leases it. Um, you know, there's not that level of uh, sophistication around the property management side. And I find just looking and doing research at, you know into what's happening in the US, they're just so far more advanced just based on how much older they are and how much bigger they are. Um, So there's a huge opportunity in the Canadian space for, you know, a a tenant focused, a tenant obsessed kind of model uh, where you're putting the tenant in the heart of it and not just looking at at them as a pain in the ass that's asking you to fix their sink. Uh, Right.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you something though on the, on the multifamily or the, the PBRs as uh, some people like to call them purpose bill rentals, you know, we're four months into COVID COVID has had a negative impact on uh, rental rates. It's, it, it was, I think the report says, eight, you know, depending on who you read eight to 12% must be tough to do a pro forma for a rental building th- today in this market, or, or are you not concerned because the buildings you're looking at won't occupy for three or four years? But you just, you just said it right there. And I, I literally had this conversation with my analyst
0: to say, look, I'm uh the thing I like about underwriting rentals, and again, we don't speculate. We, we we will still carry today's rental rate, but you know the likelihood of what's going to happen by the time you occupy the building is at minimum. At minimum, there's going to be a five percent increase year over year, um, and and uh, you know if it's more, like we've seen in the residential space, I mean, January numbers on the on the resi side um, between January and March, Q1 numbers, you know, we were we were on target to see like twenty to twenty five percent you know, year over year increases in pricing, yeah. uh, you know, whether that's a function of, you know, increased cost base or, you know, just a function of the market being able to absorb that and, and, and the supply demand equation, um, you know, it's irrelevant. But the point I'm trying to say is, is that I'm very bullish, uh, you know, about the GTA market and where it's going. And, you know, if anything, if, if there's no new supply coming online between the time that I start a bill to the time I deliver it, you know, we're we're pretty confident. And again, if we build it to a higher standard, um, if we build it with some you know better amenities, you know, chances are we'll be able to lease that uh, you know at a higher dollar value than than what we underwrote. And and that's the key. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're not. Uh, it's. I think if we look at what we're putting shovels in the ground on this year, um, you know, looking at it from a cycle perspective, I think we'll probably be timing it either delivering it at the top of the cycle or on the way up. Right. Right, I don't. I don't suspect. Uh, again, what's happening with COVID uh, to really lapse beyond twenty-four months? I mean, who knows? But you know, uh, all signs point to, you know, things are opening up, and uh, and uh, people are just getting a little bit tired of uh, of the whole thing, and so they're looking for ways
2: to to move on. So is the thought in on your Yorkville site to do rental?
0: Yeah. So we're actually, um, you know, while it offers a great condo opportunity, I think. You know, thinking life cycle, thinking long term, just location and the neighborhood itself, which is a you know beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. Uh, I think it would be a shame if we, uh, you know, if we jammed uh, just a bunch of bunch of condos in there. Um, and and frankly, you know, looking at you know where that market's going, it's it's trending upwards into 17, 1800 bucks a square foot. I'm, I'm hearing there was another site on Prince Arthur that might launch in the two thousand a square foot, but again, they bought the site. You know, over 450 a foot. Yeah, um, we 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 didn't pay that much, but um, you know, yeah, it's looking more it's looking more attractive for sure as a multifamily say.
1: It's interesting. I you know, I've been I've been talking a lot about you know, my business has has been on, you know almost half of my uh, my consulting and, and probably more than half since since, uh, you know, rent controllers are moved on, on uh, new purpose-built rental projects have been, you know, rental uh, uh, studies. And, and I've done a bunch it really since COVID started, people are still moving forward. They still fundamentally believe in Toronto and, and Toronto being a destination. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously in the short term, there'll be less immigration and there won't be students downtown and there'll be, you know, people living with mom and dad that are not going to move out yet, but. I think just looking at what 's happening in the u s from a political standpoint, from a health standpoint, I think anyone that 's moving away from uh, another country in europe or, or or and thinking about coming to north america you 're going to be choosing Toronto over any u s city right mm, uh, yeah. I, I fundamentally believe that, so I, I think the market will bounce back and, and to your to your point on the on the property management. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be any established brand. So I have some of my clients ask like who should manage this building and, and so I just point them to to Rhapsody, which was a, right. a, a US company that that uh, you know, the guys at Woodburn brought up because they weren't satisfied with the people that were managing the projects up here. So, um so right. it'll be
0: and, and they're extremely busy. I mean, if if you're lucky to get a you're lucky to get a call back from those guys, right? With with <laughs> uh, with how busy they are, right? So yeah, you're right. Look, I um, we have a stable we have a stable economic uh, climate. Uh, we've got an extremely regulated, um, you know, banking system, which is you know in the tough times is great because we don't have these massive you know boom and bust cycles like the U.S. has. Um, you know, where the, you've got these kind of local banks that you know loan anybody money that's got a heartbeat, right? And so, you know, we've got. Um, we're very stringent around, um, you know, what we accept from buyers as far as mortgage approvals. They have to be bona fide, They have to be legitimate. You know, Schedule One banks. Um, and and again, you know, looking at the tech movement and the tech boom happening downtown Toronto, um, you know, I'm hearing now that the, the tech talent in Toronto is some of the best in the world, right? And and that's why you're seeing Amazon, the so Microsofts, the you know, the Salesforce shops. <laughs> Um, and so, so you know, for 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 us, those people need places to live. I think, you know, average salaries for 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 the people in the tech space are anywhere from 100 to 150 thousand bucks a year, um, and and some companies are actually paying relocation costs and housing costs and stuff like that for some of the the talent. So, um, but I've been saying something for years about the Toronto market. I think with with where costs are going, uh, there's an institutionalization of the downtown that's occurring. Uh, and you could look at that trend over the last couple of years, um, you could see that less and less, pop, you know, builders or condo builders are building at center ice. And it's becoming more of the institutions, the pensions um, that are, you know, albeit paying a little bit more to build the stuff. But the way they see it, you know, they're fine with a three cap, they're fine with a two and a half cap, two seven five cap, uh, because they're holding that asset, you know, in perpetuity and, and they don't really care. Um, and they know they have an opportunity to move rents up as people start to leave those buildings and so you know in in effect what they've done is they've cut the middleman out Uh, and what they've done is they've also gone to that residential you know where they used to rely on the you know mom and pop builders to do the building for them Um, they've since said we don't need those guys we can do it ourselves right and so they plucked that talent they built a solid talent pool that you know understands development and they're you know, using any one of the bigger GCs to do the
2: construction for them. Like I said, again, they're paying more, but it is what it is. You just, you just, you just mentioned though, like, you know, a site being sold at 450 bucks a foot. I mean, a lot of the reason for this, this institutionalization, if you want to use that word, is that the prices have reached a number that I don't think anyone ever predicted, you know? Like the, 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 the numbers are astronomical to buy, buy a site in centerized downtown Toronto, if you want to use that as an example. Right. Uh, there's not there's not that much capital that can chase these big sites anymore, so you're right they're absolutely cutting out the middleman and um you know there there is the the professionals have taken over and and it's become you know it's become a professional business whereas maybe forty years ago uh, and i've seen it even in my business and our investors and some of the people that we work with you know you had the the tradesman or you had the bricklayer you had the carpenter. Decide they were going to build the house themselves and they built 10, then they built 20, then they built 50, and then they were building, you know, subdivisions and then into mid-rise and some high-rise and some, you know, there's some builders out there who are still doing their own accounting. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they, like send me your pro forma and they, they send you, a, they, they figure out how to use their phone well enough to send you a text message picture of their, of a back of an envelope with <laughs> the pro forma on it. Right right but the business right. has changed a lot i mean those guys are, are very few and far between and it's much more institutionalized um you know than ever and that's sort of one of the things i've always watched with you and and been admire uh, you know admire about you, you you've got a, a very clear vision as as a leader you talked earlier about um you know the adi vision and, and values um you know you've been very much leading the charge at Addy for the last seven years is that seven years yeah 13 years yeah, more than that, thirteen now. Yeah, coming up, to thirteen. Um, <laughs> wow, um, but no, it's it's you know it's been great to watch. And you know, what are what are some of uh, you know what 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 drives you, and and what are some of the, uh, the key factors that have helped you sort of get out of bed every morning and keep the foot on the gas?
0: Uh, you know what? Honestly, it's 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 the uh, it's it's the vision. I mean, it just uh, every day is a new challenge. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to get comfortable and let inertia set in in this business, right? And what I mean by that is we will do just fine, um, you know, building two, three hundred condo unit, you know, buildings every, you know, two to three years. But we've got some aggressive goals um, that we've set as a company. And I think, uh, you know, what, what we've set now is uh, uh, is a pretty aggressive acquisition and development goal to, to deliver. And if we deliver on it in the next three years, we'll easily be the largest uh, you know, builder in the GTA,
2: probably in the country. Can you tell? Can you tell us what that goal is?
0: Yeah. So, so we've, we're targeting uh, two thousand a year uh, closings um, starting the next two years, leading up to five thousand a year in five years, and then doing that consistently. It's massive. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, just to give you the gravity of what that means, and we've done some math. Uh, you know, that means there needs to be about fifteen thousand units. Um, of opportunity constantly entering the funnel, um, or being looked at at least as it enters the funnel oh, yeah. uh, every single year so so uh, you know that's that's huge, uh, and that's where you know again we're the capital side of the business uh, where we're launching A capital partners um, to attract that institutional capital that high net worth capital in a very institutionalized format um, to to scale that that development and be the engine that that drives that right so Um, so yeah, I mean, look, there's a, we deliver great value to our investors, um, and, and our customers, uh, you know, our vision is, is pretty clear. Um, everybody at the company understands it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of builders have a purpose. We actually have a purpose statement and and it, it, it goes, you know, something along the lines of not This is how it goes. It goes, you know, we exist to deliver value to our customers. Uh, and while them with exceptional service and high quality places to live and work, um, that delight through sustainability, innovation, and design, right? And so, um, and we we strive to contribute to the communities that we're in, uh, and nurture our people. So, so not too many people can say they have a purpose or thought about it. And, and as as easy as it sounds, and as you know, yeah, it's a cool purpose statement. It actually took our executive team weeks <laughs>
2: to come up it.
0: with why we do what we
2: do. Uh, I can't Good for you guys. Right. I I do agree with you. There's a lot of, you know, there there are a lot of groups who who you know they just want to grow, and that's what they'd say. But I mean, I remember I came to your office, and on actually on one of the walls, you have the adi adiology or adi visions or something like that on the wall. Adiology. It's our DNA. Guy. It's our biology. That's right. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's very it's been fun to watch, and it's been uh been a wild ride uh to be a small part of it along the way but you guys have obviously achieved some great things and it sounds like you've barely even scratched the surface which is uh which is exciting for so sure what's,
1: so what's the next market I, I know you're in toronto now but what about uh i do get asked asked a lot about hamilton when you know obviously you're close to there what what do you think about hamilton is that a got that have any legs there
0: um, I don't, I don't, we're, we're, uh, we're not jumping in quite yet. Um, we're kind of just, you know, being the lifeguard, you know, watching, <laughs> watching the pool. Um, you know, we, we're, we haven't jumped in yet. Um, you know, I just fundamentally, there's still a stigma attached to Hamilton and things are happening things are changing. It's improving. Don't get me wrong. the downtown's cleaned up. Uh, it's moving in the right direction. I just think, um, there are so many, other markets that are far stronger, that are more attractive, more in demand that are transit oriented that, you know, will welcome development. Um, you know, we're looking at, you know, again, the Vaughan market, we're looking at the Mississauga market. We're still like, we're very bullish on the golden horseshoe. Um, you know, and, and again, kind of stopping at Burlington, uh, but not going further north than, you know, like a Richmond Hill or, 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 you know, like a, like a Vaughan. Um, but, uh, you know, that's
2: kind of, wasn't there something in Milton you guys were maybe going to take a crack at?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, again, you know, our strategy is really, uh, you know, urban intensification uh, around transit. Right. And, um, you know, albeit you could be right on transit like our, you know, Aldershot site, you know, our phase two is coming up fairly soon. You could be right on transit. But when you actually look at that walk score, um, you know, it's still a 60 or, a, you know, 50. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. That can get that's the, you know, the leg that gets you to work. Uh, but what about what happens inside when you get home, right? How do you still, you know, access all the amenities that you want to access? And so, um, you know, part of what we're doing is, you know, smarter buildings, car share. Um, we've got, you know, our Addy Home Plus platform, which is our smart building platform. Uh, both Nautique and Valera are going to be that. Um, uh, so again, keyless entries, facial recognition, license plate recognition, coming into the building. Uh, you know, having a uh, an uh, uh, IOT spine versus your traditional kind of suite, you know, connected building. Um, so again, we're partnering with some of the big telcos to, uh, to bring that to life. And like we're gonna have gig, gig and a half internet in the building. Like it's insane. It's, it's, it's like, I don't even think you could use that. <laughs> so, so uh, but it's gonna be super fast. We're looking at, you know, elevator calls in the suites. Um, you know, just, just again, putting the customer in the middle of everything. Uh, you know how do we make them truly better places to live and then partnering with other service providers to, to bridge that gap and you know leverage data to to connect you know our customers to uh, to service providers so uh, yeah absolutely so so and, you know anything that's going to be around transit um, in in a you know desirable community or neighborhood you know that's where we're likely going to
1: be it's tough. It's tough. Like when I when I see all the projects and and they're you know adding different technology technology, but it's like a, you know these are four year lags between when you're you're selling or five year legs between when you sell and the building actually gets completed. It's, I can't imagine how difficult it is to try to pick the winners and and try to be on kind of the leading edge of technology when things are just changing so quickly stuff that might have thought was really really cool five years ago is not as you know as uh, having a ipod deck in your wall for to hold your regular sized ipad (laughs) (laughs) very cool yeah so again you
0: have to future proof it right so that's a great point ben i mean you have to you have to future proof it and you have to really believe that okay is this technology going to be relevant if this hardware needs to be swiped out or swapped out can it be swapped out um, and then, you know, looking at if it's a, uh, you know, if it's got some sort of, you know, operating system component to it, is that updatable, right? Can that update in the app store, right? And and, and then update both your wall panel as well as your phone. So, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to be very cognizant of that. Um, and so all the technology that we're looking at is really, in a way, future-proof. But, you know, looking at prop tech it's a laggard, laggard industry. Right. And, and for that reason, right. You said it, you said it yourself, number one, cost of admission is too high. So like I said, kid in a dorm room that does not understand development or the fundamentals of development, isn't going to come up with the next great prop tech idea. It's likely going to be somebody who's been in the industry. And most of the people that are in the industry are not really tech savvy. So it's going to take that next generation of leaders, um, you know, kind of, my age and lower, I would say, or maybe more, I'm not going to take anything away from anybody, but you know, it's going to take, you know, you, you listen to Bruce flat talk and he says, you know, the, the biggest regret he had was they never got into technology. Right. Uh, and, and so most of the real estate players did not look at technology as something they could leverage uh, where we can't. I mean, just to let you know, even recently uh, we've pioneered an online sales platform that literally allows you to buy a condo off your phone. Right. And pay your first deposit, sign your APS, and it gets done in under three minutes, right? And we built that. We actually partnered up with a group uh, in Toronto, and uh, and we built that. And we beta tested it, and it it links to our availability models and our POS system. And, And we built that, and it was a big investment that we made. Look at, okay, where does that now, where does that go? Well, it could turn into dynamic rental models, right? Like looking at the travel industry and how dynamic pricing works for the hotel industry. You know, why can't the rental, uh, you know, residential rental market be dynamically priced and, and to be generated automatically through AI. Um, you know, we're meeting great young startups that are looking at AI appraisals, right? Like it's crazy. It's literally like two buttons and you're getting your site value, uh, because the AI understands, um, it, it knows it has the data and it can figure it all out. And so, a and, it, idea. I yeah, and it's, being, uh... think
2: about how much money that saves. I mean, that can radically all the fights that would save you from fighting with all your appraisers. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
0: Uh, but it's going to disrupt that whole industry. Right. So, you know, some of those jobs might, might be redundant in a few years, who knows. Right. And so, you know, that's where, you know, we have to think as leaders, uh, you know, driving real estate forward, you know, we're in both industries, construction and uh, you know, property, you know, property ownership or property uh, management or asset management are probably the most laggard industries out of anything. And if you look at manufacturing's uh, productivity, you can see uh, like a nice J curve from the twenties to today. Meanwhile, construction kind of did the opposite dip. And so, you know, Empire State Building was put up in 13 months. There's there's a book about this, and I have it. It's, it's called <laughs> Building Empire State. It was built. Oh, right. in, it's called Building the Empire State. It was built in 13 months. And so that was hand-laid masonry, too. Right? That was hand-laid masonry. And so now it's taking us, like, three years to put up, a, you know, a 100,000-square-foot, four-story building. Like, it's crazy. Right? <laughs> so where is all that waste? Where is all that inefficiency? And I think McKinsey... Uh, you know, peg the the waste the construction industry at a trillion dollars a year. So think about that opportunity that we have in productivity and technology. So that's where I'm putting the focus of the company, uh, and that's what we're driving forward with with all the initiatives that we're doing. But uh, yeah, it's going to take time. It's going to take some time for sure. Well,
1: um, Steve, we're 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 getting near the end of our uh, kind of the conversation yeah. every time. I say we should wrap it up. Steve goes and asks another the five questions. So. All right, so I got one question though before
2: we wrap up. again, yeah, I I can't let our uh, our listeners uh, not get a little bit of taste of uh, Tariq the uh, musician slash producer. So, I mean, <laughs> not not rapping for you on this. Call. <laughs> I wasn't gonna ask you to rap, but if you want to you can. <laughs> I'm doing it. You had, you had a brief stint in, in the music world, and. Um, do you think we'll ever see Will we ever see, uh, the Addy productions or, or, <laughs> that, is that Probably a long not. lost, uh,
0: Probably
2: good memory not. with
0: the advent of Spotify
2: and these musicians are
0: getting paid. So yeah, no, thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, no, thanks. I will still make music. Uh, you know, the, uh, the occasional weekend, um, I'll get down there. I still have a little studio that I, uh, you know, fiddle around with stuff on the weekends, but it's, it's mainly just production and, and, uh, yeah, that it's just a it's just an escape to
2: stimulate some alpha waves that's about it okay i gotta ask you about the alpha waves you're big into uh meditation you're big into thinking breathing anything you can do to wake up and be your 110 percent efficient and uh your best self uh you've told me many times you know sleep is the most important and uh, even wear that ring that i've seen a few times in terms of like tracking your heart rate and all that stuff Give, right. give us a little bit about that in terms of you know being the optimal optimal person that you you, you need to be to do what you do
0: sure I mean look go, going from five people to two hundred in like less than twelve months was uh was was big right and then balancing that with uh Are you know explain
2: that. you guys you have twelve hundred two hundred people working for you two hundred people between us and in our trade divisions between right. that's not I mean, that's not Adi employees
0: no no so Adi employees we're, we're getting
2: closer to uh, to eight
0: Um, is is the ID employees but uh, you know the people in the field uh, and again managing those different business lines look and and having a family and you know all the demands on your time with you know social events and obviously COVID now with all the you know you can feel that tension in the air that's kind of bubbling everywhere and you know as productive as everybody has been uh, there's still some apprehension and some tension anxieties right and so yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, for you to run a healthy enterprise as a leader, you must be in peak shape, right? And, and it's like, it's that, you know, metaphor when you're on the plane and they say, you know, before you put your kid's mask on, you got to put your mask on, right? Uh, and so if I'm not in peak shape, how can I serve, you know, the people that work for us? How can I serve our customers? So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sleep. You know, I try to get eight hours a night. I don't care what I prioritize it. I track it, I get data on it. Uh, Ben, you'd appreciate this.
1: Um, I got my Fitbit on, so I I track all that stuff too. (laughs) Yeah, so I I use
0: something called an Ura Ring. So an Ura Ring actually gets into more, it gets into actually your sleep sleep cycles. It it tracks your deep sleep, your REM sleep, your light sleep. um, Tells you, it gives you a, a readiness number, which is, you know, based on all the variables and all the inputs. And it studies your trends over a certain amount of time uh, and, and starts to understand your patterns based on those trends, what is required to keep you in peak shape and keep your readiness high. And it looks at things like your HRV or heart rate. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, a big uh you know, I try to exercise at least, you know, four or five times a week, um, whether it's, you know, playing basketball or just, uh, Uh, By the way, we got to do that, Ben. We got to get out to
1: uh, City Builder. Yeah, you never came out to City Builder basketball. I gotta get out there. I
2: gotta get out there. Just you want to come into the post? uh, Big uh, plug, big plug for City Basketball, City Builders. Yeah, you're you're gonna gonna. come in and get swatted by Big Ben. You know? Oh, I'm ready. Let's do it. (laughs) Um,
0: Let's do it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, Steve, to your point, you got to be in peak shape. Uh, You know, everything from you know infrared saunas, cold exposure. Um, you know, do it all. You gotta do it all. And again, it's all about keeping uh yourself in peak state.
2: That's uh that's the goal. All right, I love um, it. Last question. We're gonna see a, we're gonna see an NBA season this year. I know you're a big Raptors fan. I think we are. I think we are.
0: Yeah. yeah. We are. And oddly enough, I just heard too, uh the, the URA company just partnered up with the NBA to
2: keep all the to track all the players in their sleep, believe it or not. So uh they're in trouble if there's an app actually tracking everything like they, they do, including sleep. So, so let me tell you a funny story. So
0: there's another company that's, that, that tracks sleep, but it, it builds it for teams. And so if you're a coach, you, like each one of your players will get a band. It's, it's actually a band. Um, and uh, your coach can go in and see all the data on when you slept. And and so I was <laughs> I was at, the company at an executive meeting. I said, so guys, I'm thinking about rolling this out. I want you guys in peak state, and they just like absolutely not. You're not seeing when I'm going to bed, when I'm waking up, and so they uh, they voted that one out. But uh, yeah, so. It was
2: Phil Jackson putting a a sleep ring on Dennis Rodman in the 92-93 yeah. yeah. series? <laughs> you couldn't even keep him in practice. Give him right. a break. Yeah. Absolutely. There'd be no there'd be no action
1: on that sleep ring. Totally. Well, that's awesome. Uh, we appreciate your time, Tarek. And, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what's, what's next. Downtown towers, you know, 50 story towers at station West. We don't know. We don't know what's next for you, but, uh, <laughs> we're, 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 we're excited. Steve's ready to finance well, it. As and- long as
2: I have a nice big Cameron Stevens sign out front. I was just going to say, yeah, more, bigger, more and bigger deals with uh, with the folks at Cameron Stevens for sure. Yeah, We'd love to do it. Absolutely. Well, listen, just sitting here and, uh, Looking at, at your mugs and uh, our, our foreheads, which are a lot bigger today than we were when we met uh, seven, eight <laughs> years ago. It, it means that we're all working hard and we're bearing the brunt of the stress of, these, of this business. But, um, you know, it's all worth it. So thank you so much for joining us, for being a guest. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. My, uh, my pleasure. appreciate doing this. You guys are always, uh, always a blast. Always a blast. Look forward to, uh, to, to doing more in the future, I hope. Hopefully, yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely have you on as another guest. Maybe we'll get someone from the city that you don't get along with so we can have a more controversial conversation <laughs> next time. But we'll hey, save, that. We'll save that for 2021. I get along <laughs> with everybody, what are you talking about? Okay, okay. guys. All right, take so care. Take care. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Peace out, bye.
0: Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate.